0: Good morning, everyone. This is New Bay Brown sharing space with you here at KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at kpoo.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. And again, I'm so happy to be here with all of you. This is the place for us to come together to hear voices that we don't normally hear. And those voices are coming from real people from the inside, and during this uh, pandemic, and actually, sorry, not just the pandemic, but in American society, uh, the voices of people behind the walls and their families are constantly marginalized, silenced, and then go unheard. And and thus uh, being particularly uh, vulnerable to the the failings of this capitalist system. And it is really important that we here um, on Prison Focus Radio make sure that we are bringing their voices forward. These are human beings. They are our fellow human beings um, and our community members that are being silenced. And we want to make sure that they are silenced no more. So um, on every show, of course, you will be hearing from... Uh, people on the inside, their families, and people that have uh, returned to us as well to hear about um, the amazing uh, things that uh, people are involved in, whether on the inside or the outside. This is a particularly uh, trying time for all of us, but I think it's also a time for us to remember how important it is to come together and look towards each other, The inhumanity of this system is on full display, especially within our prisons. And as you know, I am an abolitionist and we are in the time of modern day slavery, as the Exception Clause to the 13th Amendment shows us. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States, or any place subject to their jurisdiction." I want to give a shout out to the people behind the walls. I want to thank you for staying strong as best as you can, uh, taking care of yourselves and each other and uh, the best that you can. We are doing that out here as well. Um, it is We will stick with you and support you as well as your families. Know that you have a place here. Um, we are in an incredible time of um, a national car- call for decarceration and um, the release of our elders, uh, people that have been imprisoned for 10, 20, 30, 40 years past their parole dates. That's a subject that we will get in, um, into uh, further on um, as the weeks go by. And I do want to invite... All of you to visit the California Prison Focus website at www.prisons.org. There you will find action items. You will find um, archives of our newspaper, the Prison Focus newspaper. Also visit Cage uh Universal's YouTube channel. Um, There's a lot going on at that website. Also, please write to us, whether you are behind the walls or not. Um, But we want to get letters from the inside. We want to always hear from you. California Prison Focus, 4408 Market Street, Suite A, Oakland, California, 94608. We want to hear from you. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me at newbayatprisons.org. I would like to hear from you as well. Okay, we're going to hear now from Anthony Robinson Jr. about his program, Echo Chamber, and what that means for the movement during COVID-19. Here we go. All right, so, Anthony, um,
1: I want to thank you for coming on to the call today. And I would love for you to give, first, let's give a little background about who you are and then go ahead and talk to us about Echo Chamber. Definitely, definitely. Thanks for having me. Oh, so, Anthony Robinson, Jr., a little background born and raised in Stockton. I got caught up in the school-to-prison pipeline, got arrested two weeks before high school graduation. I was incarcerated for 20 years straight. Got out parole August 27th,
2: 2018. From there, started to work in the community as an organizer, and kind of just put things together as my experience and training in prison kind of taught me just organizing those environments, uh, trying to be helpful where the need is met and begins to gain ground and stop and so with that experience some dogs would born with good support citizens around me, spread uh, an echo chamber to add to the transformative uh, learning in the movement. Uh, that I, I believe it's, it's not uh, quite as prevalent as it, it may should be.
1: Oh, can you talk some more about transformative learning? What What that is?
2: The echo chamber is couched in transformative learning, and I I kind of pride myself as one of the only reasons why I decided to add to the plethora of nonprofits and community-based organizations is due to the lack of transformative learning that that I found in the, the movement. So transformative learning comes from the framework of transformative justice, which is a political framework and approach that doesn't just see the perpetrator of crime, but how the milieu view of the environment is kind of set up to either increase the propensity of crime or decrease it. I think a lot of times we get caught up in Monday uh, morning uh, quarterbacking, right? We always wait in, to respond until after harm is done. And a lot of the transformative justice seeks to trace the harm
3: through the origins, like where can we have this in the bud and, and prevented it from occurring. And society is positioned
2: due to this concrete new deal to expect crime. We have reports, we have statistics, we have all these different systems that kind of lean in towards that, whether it be the media always showing that these doomsday prophecies, and it seems like there's nothing good going on in the news. Whether it be the system that obviously is profiteering off of it, the California Highway built probably 20 prisons since the 80s, and about two universities. But that kind of tells where we our intentions go. Like word of mouth is one thing, but whether the intentions like follow the money in that sense. that were transformative justice. We learn from how we grow capacity beyond folks uh, feeling like they need to
3: commit crimes and also folks feeling like they need to wait for folks to commit crimes
2: in order to solve things. I mean, I agree with one of our probably... Best researchers that we don't talk about. All I mean, certain spaces talked about brother Uh, Paul Wright or George Lester Jackson. Mm-hmm. But I think he's one of our greatest researchers in studying the system. And as he wrote many, many years ago, I studied his system through every vein, every ventricle, and I come to one conclusion: in order for us to really have justice and be as equal as a society, the system, as we know it, cannot afford to exist. I don't right. think we kind of really took that framework. We kind of just kind of played along within the paradigm that was already set. So mm-hmm. if you are playing within oppressive paradigm. The result, as good as all the glitter and things that you make it seem, the result can only be oppressive. It may be a hidden or maybe oblique oppression, but the paradigm is like how you started, how you finish. So like I said, we, we continue to wonder why we look up and it's always these bumps and bruises in the movement. It's always these as a the, the system. The processes in which a lot of us agree to play within they only lead to one result, and we've been seeing that result played out many, 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 many
3: years, but in different different forms and fashions. Um,
1: what do you want to say to those folks that are? I mean, we're this is the familiar way of doing things, not what you're talking about, I'm talking about the system that we live in, this capitalist imperialist system is uh, where we're, there's a, some level of getting used to it, right? It's a familiarity even if it's not in our best interest. So what do we say to the people? How do we how do we talk to them? Because and, and, people are scared, right? They're scared to have a new system. They're scared to do another way. They, people are scared to dare to struggle, dare to win, dare to decarcerate, dare to Record.
2: One of the frameworks of or why I call it the echo chamber is just mm-hmm. recognizing and borrowing from emerging strategies. Like I that, 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 said, that's, that's
3: my uh, Bible right now. It comes to organizing and just trying to just uh, do better.
2: Mm-hmm. right? We have to understand that what we practice at the small scale sets patterns for the whole system. So we have this overarching uh, theory of change that says, like, hey, we want, we want the abolition of the system, we want to do all the fish that, etc., as an example. What I'm beginning to understand is how have we been putting into the small-scale practices that are going to be sustainable? And so we've been reaching for the large scale, like, oh, we have the lobby, or uh, the capital, we have to get this SD, how many SDs or ADs, finished uh, bills, or Assembly uh, bills have we passed within the last 10 years? And we've been measuring that just things on the ballot or off the ballot or et cetera playing that systemic uh, game, right? We've been measuring success in the movement for that. And that has fractured the movement, in my opinion. Because like, when we talk about the movement, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the whole ecosystem of the movement? No, 910, we're talking about how the movement is set up in dichotomy. Rather be progressive, rather be less, rather be. So usually it's like a win is, oh, if you have been advancing my cause and all people who've been alive with me, oh, we won. And I always question, I kind of step back and in, say, in, in, regardless of how this intention is, and when, when we put ourselves in these categories and these frameworks and utilize these words, which come from the same oppressive system, when you say, oh, I won, where is the, the question, okay, well, if I won, you lost. Right? and uh, so we're gonna be the freedom fighters. So right. for every reason we calculate, we expect on the other end someone to lose. But in recognizing it in a huge front, I mean I was just gonna call this morning and it just came out of you from, from just understanding the experience of what what the coronavirus has taught us is that we have to readjust our intention to practice our humanity. And as good as that sounds in that framework, I think there's also, if we step back in reality and be truthful with ourselves, there was, there's still much work to be done, and there's an exposure of that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent to see how much courage folks is finding in their demands doing COVID. And as much as I'm right there on, on, on the front lines, the sidelines, however I can support, when you say, hey, bring our brothers and sisters home, bring the Ellen home, uh, don't over-incarcerate with, well, now we're pushing for the decarceration, right? And I'm like, oh, that's great. That's what we've been talking about for years. But I also have to be honest and say, like, with all due respect, how shameful is it that COVID-19, the coronavirus, has given us some newfound courage to demand these things. So we 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 pushed past ads, right? Because usually, I mean, you know, the movement was, you have to ask Property and say, I You have to set up your ass, you have to do this uh, email, and you have to do these things. You have to. We have to do all this work just to ask for, for something that we know fundamentally is the right thing to do. But since COVID hit, now we have all this courage, and I'm seeing a lot of folks making these demands, like we're skipping the steps, right, in organizing. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but what I'm saying is, I'm hoping that we continue that. Like, how sustainable is that? Like, how can COVID or a virus? Give us more input and more courage in the movement, and we've been able to muster it in previous. And if that's the case, what's going to happen when the coronavirus, or when they say everything is clear? Are we going to lose that gas? Are we going to lose that that audacity to demand, like, man, let our brothers go now? If we're not asking, we're like, let our brothers go now. You got folks in prison <laughs> that don't need to be in prison. Let our sisters go now. We yeah, right. So yes. I mean, that's what I can. Like. I'm kind of like in the sound like waiting. He's like, okay, all this courage, and I'm to this on this curve is it's commendable and it's applaudable, but is the air going to be not off the bat and win, right? Or how are we gearing up to sustain that even now? Like, we don't have to go back to asking in the same way we used to ask before COVID-19. Like, if we don't learn anything else from that, because how easy mm-hmm. and how whimsical, like, magically, did they just open up stuff. Oh, we have uh, 40 extra billion dollars that we put in city economy. Like, oh, like, where you get that from? We've been struggling like two months ago. And now all of a sudden y'all got all this money and y'all are releasing things like at, at, at a win, right? So it's like, let us not get back into the habit of struggling for to struggle with It's Like now, like we should push past that and that's where transformative learning comes in, right? Because you can't have transformative justice without transformative learning. And transformative learning is like, how do we step back and learn from, even from our whim? If, if we get caught up in, in, in this ego, um Massaging and like, okay, we built that year, property 57, we won that, except I think got a statistic that in San Joaquin County, as much as it's paraded on top 47 and 57, and this is from the folks who pushed and advanced a lot of those buildings, but San Joaquin County as progressive and extremely as we try to make it, it, it push for, we lost 47 and 57 in our county as far as voting goes. Right, and I was kind of bathroom, like, wait, like wait a minute, like what? Like, what do you mean? Because the memories don't speak to that
1: experience. No, that's real. I mean, that is definitely real, and I um, and I agree with you. And I think we we I think we should continue to ask those questions. And I so appreciate you bringing them up. And I wonder if COVID nineteen is really um, if, if the opportunity that you're saying we should take is to, like, watching people respond to um, these systems failures through a lens of having to take care of one another, how we're not being taken care of. And so the, this, this uplift of humanity coming together uh, to be able to make these, these strides or, or uh, make these asks and these demands through this pandemic is giving us and this opportunity. And I think people
2: get caught up and, and hyped up with waves, like, oh, we're on this wave or, or, and it's like, <laughs> as good as the wave sounds, like, right? but what happens to the most waves? I, exactly. They, they crash, they they crash just, at the Are like, <laughs> <hey>, they <dissipate, laughs> or they crash, right? Yeah. So we can be on this, like, COVID-19 wave in the movement. Like, no, this is a wave, right? Yeah. What we mm-hmm.
3: should do is learn from how the system, how it pose itself, how they've been
2: lying when we know they've been lying, How we can build capacity amongst our community and our impacted folks to recognize, like, "Hey, where the system is about," and to organize for sustainability. Mm -hmm. Bringing our communities and bringing individuals in, like, I think this is a great learning opportunity. It's like I feel finally, right now in this moment, even history, because history has a narrative, right? Even history is looking at us like, "What y'all gonna do?" Right? We're we don't have many moments in that where even history is, is, is kinda standing on the sideline looking in, like, okay, this is the moment, who's gonna take the ball? Right? Because post COVID nineteen, it's all it's gonna be like when we finally can come back outside, it seems like 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 who knows lockdown better than most of us supposed to we spend time in prison. But this is equivalent to that. So we know like right, that's the longest sense of lockdown, even in prison, when we finally come out and allow us to go back to the yard. We, we have to assess some things. You know, maybe the, the police have, 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 have planted some stuff in an area that they shouldn't be there. We usually go and we assess and clean up. We make sure that the alliances, the boundaries, whatever we have set up, we come back to them. And we don't just assume, like, okay, this is still a black area because we've been locked up for six months. It's something that changed. I know we we make sure that that structure and everything we put in place for our safety and for our health, And I think that when we're off this lockdown, it's going to be incumbent upon us to do the same thing. And a lot of folks do not have that training. A lot of folks are also going to be so burdened with holding up the capacity of whatever they found this or whatever business is. They're just trying to keep afloat. So it's easy we're in that first moment of desperation where we can lean on and shared humanity. Because we're all counting and depending on like the same system, right? But one system shows that what we already know that they're going to do and what they' been when they turn on us, what do we lean from there, right? So being intentional about
3: really
2: adjusting our perspectives of humanity and really like doing that deep dive like going in. I think I love that kind of myth about the self-help uh, in prison because they really made you look into your own issues for transformation. And I think that's the only way that you really find it. And that's where the movement is like, is there has there been a real critical evaluation of the map of the movement? And I think that that, that that's missing. So the transformative learning will allow us to do that. And then what we unpack from the learning, the transformative justice will allow us to carry out. But we have to do the learning we came to go and then it's usual or we can't continue to be influenced and led through fear, through misinformation, etc. So I think I think that's where they kind of have the people most vulnerable right now because like where do you get your news from? COVID? You don't like make it up. You don't go to you, you. You're counting on them, and I'm like, them is the same folks who set us up for this. So it's like, well, what an interesting uh position to be in, right? We count on the same folks who've been oppressing us. And we already know we'll continue to oppress it when they feel that uh, basically we're in the right position. So how do we train and sustain to, to make sure that we give them a run for their money for what they intend to do?
1: So where do you see the um, voices of those like you that are closest to the problem, closest to the solution? Where do you, do you see, you, you, yourself in that place and do you do you um do you feel like we're in a moment too where we can actually be listening to those that have so far been been silenced i mean let's we would just go back to just you can say you know mention george jackson i mean people have been retaliated against for for learning from george jackson from his book i was (laughs) one right i was one
2: but even mentioning, and it's interesting how that experience, because even, like, I'm, I'm free, right? I'm in my home. I'm doing a radio review. But even mentioning Conrad G. Like, you know, that I say Conrad G first, then I say George, that's exactly, I gave him full credit mm-hmm. to his name. Mm-hmm. But even, I had resonance, like, going through me, like, oh, shit. Like, I'm, I'm looking around, like, it's doom squat, and it's like, okay, now you're free. Like, don't squat, now, because I would say i punished for carrying the book. But it's the carrying notes on the book. I mean, I think they was kind of gun into me in a way that didn't make sense to me. I mean, beyond taking my book, they were trying to search my and take my notes. Right, and I'm like, well, how do you like? That's not how have these like, oh, well, notes on this book. You can't have it. I'm like, what? Right, and people don't put themselves into that mind frame, and it's hard for them to get there because they don't have the experience. That's the thing. Another, another thing about transformative learning is. Allowing the experiences at the table that need to be there, because this stuff is not a data driven like the movement, and it's still heavily uh, couched in that data driven. I mean, what are grants other than funding for measuring opportunities? Like you get a grant on second uh, stuff saying that you're going to uh, increase the social well-being uh, uh, impacting youth, and it's like okay, they give you fifty thousand dollars for that, can they kind of measure stuff? So for too long, I think the movement has been data-driven. Uh-huh. And it's not so much in people-driven. People-driven is what's the So you have to build a relationship. I mean, like you can, you can, it, it, It's very hard for folks to put on a grant that uh, for three months out of a, a one-year grant, we're just going to be doing uh, community uh, picnics and barbecues and health fairs. And, and they're like, I don't like that. They would be like, i don't wait for spending. I'm mean, not waiting for spending. We we're we were going to be doing... Uh, Music event and what I call misery resistance. So we have to shake off, and give, we have to give people an opportunity and create a space to me shake off the oppression, put in the field and love upon each other and connect to one another. That's part of the work. And I think during the COVID, we're going to have to really be open to that. Like, like oh, the laughing and, and like, oh, you're just laughing, you're kidding. I'm like, nah, that, that's misery resistance. And misery resistance is a pivotal component. Right. The same way from the plantation, we had the field holler. The same way, you had to, when you, whatever it took them to get through. That's why they sung when they worked in the field, thick and cotton. Anything just from the love of music, I mean, that was that was there, too. But it was always a revolutionary movement. <laughs> Misery resistant. right? Sun beating down on you. You got to work. Are you getting the bull? I mean, what else you going to do? Like, we are people, of a are people of spirit. Right? So we vibrate. The movement has not as much as it, they talk about cultural responses and restorative justice and you things as turned, we still, for the most part, still we trace and go about it all. We have to fit those things, even though they're indigenous practices, into a colonial framework. And you couldn't get indigenous practices on grants and on funding opportunities that are still couched in the plastic of westernized systems. And all this other stuff. So, like I can say, how is the result? Right? Like, how do you come out of the water when you have all that stuff in this So, with the people, if this is going to be a bomb, I think we're in a right moment because everything is so shaken up, right? Like, folks is not grasping and grappling and holding on so much to their identity in this thing because our identity has been it's taken away, crumbled, or oh, it, it's been adjusted. We have the perfect opportunity as movement builders to go into community, they get in community and work this thing out, Whether it be just teaching circles, or restore like a teaching circle on the impact of COVID-19 on families and households. One of the first things the ECHO Chamber as a community-based organization, nonprofit, very whether folks or understanding to as, one of our first things that I'm putting together right now is uh, prison, photo voice project where brothers and sisters they there can do artwork and draw their perspective of how COVID nineteen has affected their lived experience, how it affected their loved ones. And I think that's gonna be one of the ways we're able to one document what's really, really going on behind the laws where we can't eat and what they're doing to our loved ones and also to allow them who been marginalized, who choose voices. In passage, to also have voice, and I want to get as many put them in the books, put them and do what I can out here, and, and give me that notice. So, uh, setting up platforms and presentations, et cetera, to bridge that gap. Also, is setting up the works to start a prison uh, scholarship for brothers and sisters in their rights program. But so it's like really just reimagining this thing and
1: making and making sense of it. Well. Anthony, that is so beautiful. What I also hear you saying it's it's about reconnecting, and um, it's about the relations It's about the relationships, how we are connecting with one another, um, and and uh, bringing, uplifting the humanity of the people that are involved, and and getting that um, out um, in into or keeping it connected to the community, is what I'm understanding. How can People um, get in touch with you, if you would like them to get in touch with you. I would love to, you. I always love having conversations with you and they're always too short. So uh, we definitely want to have you back on, but I definitely want to make sure you get a chance to tell people, that people know how they can get in touch with you, um, so they can find out more about you and the echo chamber. Definitely, definitely. Ooh.
2: We have an email. The Echo Chamber Project at gmail.com. Most folks can utilize that. And I said right now, just the Echo Chamber is a community based organization whose mission is to build capacity amongst the most marginalized populations in the following areas. So a lot of the work we're doing is in reentry and recovery, unsheltered population, housing insecurity. And impacted communities. The folks can email. Didn't open, and I'll definitely respond back. But we respond back to all emails. And really getting into the work, recognizing that we're building capacity for organic intellectuals, and we're doing it just one door at a time, going
1: in community, surveying, and canvassing the area. All right, Anthony. Thank you so much. have a wonderful afternoon. You're doing amazing work, and I encourage uh, folks who are listening to please uh, uh, check in with Anthony and find out more about how you can become an organic intellectual. Is that what I'm understanding? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Always inspired. Thank you so much, Anthony. Uh, I Thanks for having me.
3: Boom. boom.
0: back. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 Prison Focus Radio. We are now going to listen to Imulimo, who will be talking to us about the programs that are being developed inside by our CAGE community members to um, educate our youth and um, uplift each other.
4: to run our own self-help groups per the warden and we didn't get a chance to finish critiquing it because you know we implemented our own unique programs with you know our new african uh, revolutionary nationalist education so we wanted that to be the outset that the warden sees and then what they didn't see is the way we do things like we normally do it the way we all got educated how malik got educated how other comrades like bomani and other state prisons got re- educated you know our lead has been uh, at the forefront, you know, um, since before they slammed Chitawa and them all in the shoe. The, the word got out to these other prisons, how we were doing things in California. Well, it actually spread when it spread when George died, and they was able to organize around the Black Banner then, but it got spread even more before the, the elder comrades got slammed in the shoe here in California. And a lot of other brothers that was coming to prison start getting re-educated in these other states, and then of course you know other chapters were formed with different names, but all under the same banner as us here in California. So that on the outset, what you got right now is the way we do it, so that the oppressors don't understand our unique way. And what I sent you before is our unique way that they didn't really want to accept, and that's why they stopped the Panthers' free breakfast of the children program. And things like that. You know what I
1: mean? I I, I do. I think I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well. It, so. Um, in time, uh, it'll come in time. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. The
4: more, yeah. The more we educate, the more you understand that it. it's it, it's our African purpose to find our own identity in this country, and we are only developing culturally because we were like this in Africa. And all the black organizations from the African Brotherhood to Marcus and Garvey, the Gargan Garvey Knights, to uh, Malcolm X, everybody's seen who, were, who was conscious-minded, what we needed as far as black folks, as, as our nation. And what, the Panther, what Fred seen who was a, a, a Panther member from the Chicago chapter, he's seen that Pantherism has to go further. It can't just be... Nationalism—it has to be internationalism because all of our um, ethnicities are oppressed by the same class, and in our class struggle, we have to work together, and that's how we build socialism, shared economy. You know, and the government is always going to be attacking you because they want you to depend on them. And as you can see with this virus they got right now, the government's not doing nothing for people. You know, people are protesting and kind of going a little bit nuts. Don't want to be stuck in the house. Because they can't pay their rent, can't pay their mortgages, you know. And that's sad, you know, because we should be in control of our own labor, you know. We should have our own companies, our own businesses. And we should be able to thrive and prosper around
1: government's health, you know. I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. I want to find out, I want to ask you about the education that you get, quote, sorry, quote education that's being offered um, inside is not really conducive to to really uh, building that that self determination that uh, right. that real self empowerment that you're looking for because right. you need your own you you need your own education. Right, right. What we
4: do is in the shoe we created a lot of programs, mm-hmm. but we couldn't get them out to the streets because they was monitoring our mail and mm-hmm. they always said we were trying to recruit and things like that because they label us a prison gang and we're not, you know. Black, black, conscious blacks are new African revolutionary minded who are part of organizations, okay? We're not a gang, you know. Yes. And what? In, in order to re-educate, you have to show um, our communities, you know, our, our people that, look, going back into our cultural practices in Africa, this is how we work. This is what we deal. We build, develop, advance, you know, but we're in control of our own economy, because mm-hmm. our economy allows us to have shared labor. You know, if you own the grocery store and I own um, the, the, the hospital, I mean, me and other people in the community are going to grow goods that you can sell in your grocery store at, you know, not really a high price for us who live in the community to buy them. And if anybody gets sick, they're coming to my hospital, and nurses and doctors who live in the community work at the hospital. We're not overcharging. People are charging what they can pay. So you you know money is still generated in the community and what when you when you do when you learn things like that and you apply it you get ridiculed especially us in prison get ridiculed because that's what the Panthers were doing in society you know so behind the wall we were able to well, once we got out the shield we were able to get on these yards now and implement these programs with an education that these young generation can stand some of them couldn't really understand because of the books that we read, they couldn't really read and grasp it. So we have to break things down. So we've seen how CDC was trying to implement all these self-help groups. And we said, okay, we know these are state-based groups, but if there's any tools in there we can take out to use for our own advantage, we'll do so. So a lot of us that have joined these self-help groups have done just that. and they- educate. So, yeah, we have to educate around that curve to
1: where this call and your telephone number will be monitored and
4: recorded. He doesn't know that we're still going to implement our own study materials and our own unique way of of, uh, teaching how to read and understand so that your comprehension can develop and you can go out there and be pillars of your community. So, as long as they don't see that, then we're okay, you know. And, you know, that's mainly all we can do is, is do
1: things so that we're okay. Right. I, I hear that. Do you feel like? I mean, it sounds like that's the same thing that you have to do around 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 your medical needs, and in this particular case, in COVID as well, because yeah. now uh, you're having to work around that. So you're having to apply the same the, the basically the same tactics uh, right, to right. take care of yourselves inside. Is that is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. You have to always work
4: around. One thing about your enemy, they have no new tricks. They have the same old tricks they've been using for years and years and years, and they get away with it because they work. So what you have to always do is remember that, apply it, see the game from their perspective, and teach others so that they don't be fooled, and they don't get thrown off balance, and then still implement your correct way that does work. And as long as you build solidarity, and the focus is on the objective, which is the, the change that we want, you know, um, mm-hmm. everything gets a little bit easier, you know, because we do know the tempers flare, you know, some people have, they get romantically involved, and then that throws a curveball and things, some people don't like each other for some strange reason, you know, and you have to know how to eradicate all that and keep people's focus on the big picture, and, for the most part, where I've been, since I've, I've gotten out of the concrete to them in the shoe, I've been able to do
1: just that, keep our perspective. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded.
4: Keep our perspective at focus, not get sidetracked, and stay the course. Continue to re-educate the way that that we do things, you know, and, and that's been okay. That's been
1: okay. What can we do to help you with this... Um- this amazing, this amazing program. Study it, just
4: study it, study it. And any programs we send you, study it, see what you can use to apply, to re-educate others, uh, start book groups and read certain books that show you how to do that, Um, I can send you a list. And then um, whatever the community needs, you can meet it because you know how. And programs aren't hard to, to build, you just have to know what the community needs and work around that as a collective. Everybody does their part to make it successful like my focus is on the youth my focus is on women who've been um, beaten or who've been you know uh, domestically abused sexually assaulted things of that nature and the youth and What 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 I do is find out the problems and see how I can help solve the problems And others of like mind who know how to solve the problems will work with you because it's still a part of our focus because we're changing the dynamic of how we treat each other as well as people. And we see our women as equal. Um, and we're changing the conditions that that, that, are, that, we're, that we're faced, we're challenged with, changing those conditions because of the oppression that we face faced for so long. You know, So when you start with the re-education, you can see all that coming into view on how to do those things. And it's not hard. It's, it's really not. Um, I can always let you know what we need. And the best thing is just you guys understanding that we're in this together and that the work you do is appreciative. And we know that the work you do is going to bring that qualitative change that, that we expect and desire anyway. So that's a blessing in and of itself. You know, um, I look forward to the time when I can get out and, and work with you all and help you all out in whatever I can. Um, and hopefully,
1: that'll be sooner than I think, you know? Hopefully. Yes, yes. That's, yes, hopefully. sooner. Sooner than we think yeah, hope, this is what we are hope, looking for.
4: Yeah, yeah, hopefully I can. Well, look, i got to run, and uh, I'll get that letter in a box to you this week with some other books, recommended books, and uh, give you some more insight. But thank you. I appreciate it. I'll send you my love. Take care.
1: Please stay healthy, and um, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, and the same for you. Please stay healthy. We have 60 seconds, seconds remaining. Yes, okay. please stay healthy, and we will talk again for sure, and I'm looking forward to that book list as well. Okay. All right. right. Will do. Talk to you soon. Talk. All right? <laughs>
0: you Prince and welcome back everybody. One of the things that I love doing is going into the archives of um, California Prison Focus's newspaper Prison Focus. I encourage all of you to go there as well and read for yourself some of just amazing poetry, thoughts, commentary, articles from our folks inside and folks from the outside as well go to www.prisons.org, and there you will find on our website not only archives for the newspaper Prison Focus, but you can also listen to uh, past recordings of Prison Focus Radio. There's also an action page. Liberate the Cage Voices has a blog page there that you can make comments on, read and make comments on. All right, so um, I am going to read a couple pieces of poetry and some... Um, again, some commentary from the archives. This is from 2009, a poem by Michael Kohler. Time away from freedom. Time away from freedom is a heavy load to carry and to bear. All the gent you've known are gone and soon forget to care. Lawyers try to console us with hopes of one day being free, but as the lies continue, we slowly lose our minds. It's our memories that hold us together while we go through agony, doing our time. Now listen all you solodados, for a story must be told, all the things that happen in time to a carnales soul. From the prison of our nation to all the county jails of our state, men cry out for forgiveness only to find out it is too late. Now, I must ask you a question, please try to answer True. Would you believe in incarceration if the mistakes were made by you? And this is by Sean Bromley, The Hard Life. I've lived my days in hiding, holed up within myself, sealed like an unused book misplaced upon some shelf. Defined by pain and sorrow and ravaged by my fears, my soul grew tired and battered and aged beyond its years. I've warred through mental battles and fought for peace of mind. I've swam in dark misfortunes and danced with the thoughts unkind. I've felt the sting of sickness, which chewed upon my bones. I've begged for sweet compassion while suffering all alone. I've tasted every teardrop and fell through every crack. Life has broken some of me, but it hasn't broken my back. Never give up. All right. Now we're going way back to 2001, spring of 2001. Now this archive, uh, sorry, this newspaper may not be in our archives, but the name of this issue is Activism, Inside and Out. Call a spade a spade. Dear CPF, myself and a few other brothers here in Corcoran read with great interest your last issue of PF and were quite dismayed at the excuses given by other prisoners for the racial brawls, that are taking place across the state, which have permitted prison guards to shoot and kill prisoners as a matter of sport. But what is more appalling is prisoners' justification of the stupidity as resulting from a lack of prison programs. Since when have prisoners killing each other resulted in prison crats meeting out prison programs designed to quell the violence? In the prison movement of the 1960s and 70s, prisoners were taught and showed how the ruling class benefits from racial war because a conflict of that magnitude diverts the masses' attention away. Hard-fought gains like the Prisoner's Bill of Rights, family visiting, and the right to visit, due parole consideration have all been eroded and are extending to other aspects of prison life, like grooming and clothing standards. Prison officials have been fueling this type of madness for more than 40 years now. It didn't begin in the modern-day Corcorans or Pelican Bays, can see Melancholy History of Soledad Prison by Min S. Yee. The moral is, when you ignore history, you will repeat it. Using a lack of programs as an excuse is only a smokescreen hiding the institutional racism that fuels the fire. The question is, what are you going to do when this stuff spills over into your community? All just and freedom-loving people should work with the indeterminate shoe class in Pelican Bay to facilitate an end to this madness. Sandi Corcoran. And with that piece, again, I want to encourage all of you to go to the California Prison Focus website at www.prisons.org and read those um, archives of Prison Focus. And in there, you will find the Agreement to End Hostilities, this amazing, powerful document written in 2012 by some of the men of the indeterminate shoe class. All right, we've got one more piece I'd like to read. Um, from the 2001 uh, prison focus issue, Activism Inside and Out. Dear CPF, I am a prisoner and I have been cut off and on for almost a decade. Let me try that again, folks. Dear CPF, I am a prisoner and have been one off and on for almost a decade. Most of my time, I've been non-active looking to other parties, the governor, warden, COs, etc., to make the system right. But if we are to be about activism, we must activate ourselves in the way of change, which is often quite difficult, far more difficult than judging the authorities and their gross injustices. What can I do as a prisoner? Many times doing something is risky, so we must be quite sure we're ready to make some personal sacrifices. This may be our popularity, safety, or comfort in GP. Many times we have an opportunity to file paperwork on issues, complaints, that would help. Harder to do is of peace between our races and groups. But what about the months we spend on lockdown without talking to each other, among our groups? If we would use this time and the time of whispering and tension before most violence on these yards to speak up for peace, maybe we could slow down some of our own destruction. We know this can only be done by us. We must be committed to the cause of peace on these yards, This is our daily struggle and the highest form of activism. W.T. High Desert. All right, folks, that's our show for this week. Thank you so much for sharing space with me. Again, give a shout out of of solidarity and care for the people behind the walls in your families. And I want to invite you to join the caravan to San Quentin happening this Saturday, May 9th at 10 a.m. This is a no state execution by COVID-19 action being put on by the Labor Action Committee to Free Mumia Abu Jamal. So please meet us there and you can get the details of that action taking place on our website at our calendar. Go to www.prisons.org. But we will be meeting at 10 a.m. at the Larkspur Ferry parking lot. And there will be, um, you'll get all the details on our calendar. All right. Thank you so much, folks. Stay with us. We are going uh, for our next program, which is Work Week with Steve Seltzer. Have a beautiful week. Uh, Again, take care and act in the service of Ubuntu, shared humanity.